Hey, what's up, podcast family? Hope you guys are keeping well. This week was a real treat. I had the pleasure of chatting with such an innovative, inspiring entrepreneurial woman, Kathy Soroka. Kathy is the president and CEO of Gold Ray Glass. Her and her awesome team collaborate with architects, designers, and glazing contractors to create decorative architectural glass for projects across North America. On the podcast, we talk about navigating family business dynamics, women in business, what the true meaning of an entrepreneur is, social change, and much, much more. Remember to rate and subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. You get awesome local leaders and entrepreneur stories each week, jam-packed with their unique insights. Leave me feedback at joe at codessa.io on some of the stories or questions you want to hear. I read them all, so please email me. Now to the podcast. Hope you guys enjoy. the podcast Kathy it's great to have you on well thank you Joe thank you for having me I, I appreciate the opportunity so yeah let's jump right into it maybe add some context tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, your origin story okay uh, so my name is Kathy Soroka and I'm currently president and CEO of a company here in Calgary called Gold Ray Glass and we are an architectural glass manufacturer so we make uh, decorative glass for commercial construction projects all over North America um, the company started, as far as origins, the company started in 1985, and my co-founder and I started it right from scratch. Um, and I should mention my co-founder at the time was my husband, um, but it, we had back then no money. We had a small family, uh, no money, no knowledge, no experience. We knew nothing about glass, not very much about business. Um, we actually started our business on a Hudson's Bay credit card, believe it or not. That's way back when, uh, when you could buy travel and briefcases and you know, all, those, all the business things that you needed on a Hudson's Bay card. So um, and we started as a family business. Um, so my co-founder, his name was Greg. His dad worked with us. Um, he was in his 70s and he worked with us right until he passed away. Uh, kids worked with us right from age eight. Um, we didn't have any money at the time either. So we really had to, as well as getting family involved, um, we had to do things that nobody else did. We couldn't compete with other glass companies um, that were in the, in the market. Um, so we became known as the company that did weird things. And so we would always get calls uh, about, you know, can you do this? And, and obviously we would always say yes. And then we would go back to our little shop and figure out how to do it. And, um, you know, we just kept going on innovating things, inventing new things, figuring out um, new things to do and what not to do. Um, there's a lot of things that we, that we invented that made zero money. So we had to let those go. Um, but uh, we, we did become known for um, our innovation. And as we grew the business, that is really what we're known for in our industry now is being innovative and coming up with new ideas and new solutions on how to solve problems in architecture and construction and design. Um, I know, too, that in doing that, we've actually helped to move our industry forward. Um, in the decorative glass business back in 1985 was virtually zero. And we did a lot of work uh, in building the business in both in Canada and the U.S. and building up the industry. So 
um, over 35 years that we've been in business, I think we've, we've definitely had an impact there. And I'm, I'm very proud of that part of it. Just out of curiosity, though, um, were you a very entrepreneurial kid growing up? Uh, well, when I, you know, when I think back, uh, my parents had their own business for most of my life. And so I, I worked with them as a kid. And it, it feels very normal to me to have my own business. Um, I've definitely had other jobs in the past. I don't know anybody who hasn't worked as a server in a restaurant or, you know, anything like that, but <laughs> working on, on my own business feels a lot more right to me. And it, it's certainly not without its challenges. Um, definitely owning a business is not for the faint of heart. Uh, I know I'm very cognizant of the fact that I'm ultimately responsible for everything that happens within our company. Uh, over the years, we've had lots of ups and downs. Um, it's been hard work, sleepless nights. Even now, we've we've got sleepless nights because of the situations that uh, that we're in as a world. Um, but when you're building your own business, it means, you know, to do it successfully, it means that you have to do it differently than everybody else. So you don't ever know what your next next step is going to be. Um, you're, you're charting a new course. There's no manual that you have to follow. Um, so it, it's quite different in, um, you know, the way that some people decide to, to have a career. And some people really thrive in that. Um, some, though, are more suited to being the rocks that really help us to get the business to where they're going. And, and I'm, I certainly work with a whole lot of big, strong, talented, and brilliant rocks in my company. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. It's uh, about the team you surround yourself around. You mentioned that you've been in business for 35 years now, and you started with humble beginnings. Uh, but what made you want to pursue a career in uh, the glass industry? Uh, well, the glass part was kind of an accident. Um, so um, Greg, who was my, my co-founder, he used to work for the brick warehouse, the furniture store back in the 80s. And he noticed that um, every piece of furniture that was delivered with decorative glass had it was broken. And so we thought, well, there's a, a hole in, a, in the market and an opportunity here. So we thought, well, let's just jump in and do that. Um, so that's what we did. Uh, you know, his, his family is fairly entrepreneurial. His dad um, always ran his own businesses as well. And so, so both of us had that background and it just felt very right and very normal to just, you know, jump in and, and uh, mix it up and see what happens. <laughs> That's the best way to do it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I don't know that I'd recommend that, but <laughs> it is what we did. <laughs> um, what's... Uh... What's one thing for you, Kathy, that you wish you would have known uh, when you first began your career? Um, actually, there's a couple of things, Joe, that I, I wish that I had realized earlier than I did. Um, the first one, like we started our business back in the mid 80s and women in the 1980s didn't really use their voice as much as as we do now. Um, I wish that back then I'd better known the value that women bring to business and to relationships, which is what business is all about and been more on the leading edge of showing women how to speak up and, and really understand their value in business. Um, I find that with every generation, we get better at some things, and I believe that this is one of them. Um, we're certainly much better than we used to be as women in business, but we're not there yet. Um, I speak to a lot of young women in business, and I find that it, the younger women still have a hard time speaking up in a work situation. And, you know, I'm working hard to change that in my own company and some other groups that I'm involved in. But it is so important that every single person understands their value 
and understands what they bring to the table. Um, the second thing I think I wish I'd known is, <laughs> and uh, I really know this one now, is not to be afraid to make mistakes. Um, you know, back in the 80s, being a, a female in business and being a family business, I always had the idea that I needed to be perfect. Um, but I didn't understand that a person can't grow until they try things out, until they get in there and make mistakes and learn from them. Um, you know, I find now I've gone in the total opposite direction and it gets me in trouble sometimes. And, you know, I get excited about something and jump in with both feet and, um, you know, same as when we start our business, mix it up and see what happens. And, and sometimes I get in trouble, but I know I can always get out of it. Absolutely. You mentioned women speaking up in business and uh, we have lots of, we have quite a few of, uh, women listeners. What type of advice would you give them in terms of uh, speaking up in business, like you mentioned? Um, I think my advice, my advice really is to, to understand that everybody has value and everybody has a unique perspective. They have unique talents um, and that you are one of those. Um, you're not outside the circle. You are somebody who um, can um, who can offer a lot to a business. And if it turns out that you're making a mistake, um, then oh well. <laughs> That's how we all learn. <laughs> I, I've never ever learned something from doing it right the first time. I can I can tell you that. Right. That's uh, said by a true entrepreneur. <laughs> Learn from your mistakes. Um, speaking of which, actually, it segues perfectly into uh, my next question. What's been a big challenge or even maybe a failure? And what did you learn from it? Um, so, the, you know, the biggest challenge, Joe, that I have ever faced, and it was a decades-long challenge, um, was some some fairly severe mental health issues and and very severe alcoholism with my co-founder. Um, so through there's through at least two decades, those issues caused a whole lot of volatility in our business, and we had many 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 challenges through that. Um, decisions were made like he was the president at the time. Um, decisions were made that put the company and the family at risk like many times over. And, you know, making it a bigger challenge even was that this is a family business. Our whole family is, is working in this business. There's a lot of complexity. There's a lot of emotion. And up until recently, nobody ever talked about it. It was a secret that we kept for decades that this, this big monster was going on in our lives. Um, it, it got to a point where, um, you know, as president, he was missing work. He'd you know, miss, a, miss a day, then miss a week, then, then a month, then six months. Um, you know, as a family, we just continued to run the business. But with the mindset of, um, you know, he is our family member. He needs to focus on getting better and that he will be able to come back. Um, that isn't the case, though. Um, things just progressed to get worse and worse and worse. And our company was going down further and further and further. And we realized too that, you know, our company is made up of all family members. Everybody in our, in our company is family. And we had to decide, um, you know, my son was running the business with me at the time. We had to decide, you know, what is really important to us? And what was important is the hundred people that we work with. 
and the, their ability to have a job and to take care of their families, that was what was important. Um, so we, we had two choices. Um, we could continue on the way that we were going and let things go down, or we could completely change our focus and push ahead and bring the company back up to where we knew that it needed to be in order to um, you know, keep our family employed, our whole big family. Um, it certainly wasn't a straight path, uh, for sure. It was up and down and up and down. Um, but we, we've continued and, and persevered, and now we're pushing forward again to grow the company and pass it along to the next generation. My, my son and daughter, within you know, less than five years, will be running the whole show. Um, so, you know, that was definitely, definitely the biggest challenge. And, you know, I look at all the other challenges that we had with, you know, having locations that didn't work out or bad years and everything was all connected just to this one overarching issue that we had. Um, throughout all of it though, one of the bonus learnings that we had is that family is, uh, really all about values. And, you know, I, I belong to a lot of different groups and, and throughout this pandemic, when everybody's working from home, we've had a lot of different Zoom calls and different conversations. And one of the conversations in one of my groups was whether or not family belongs in business. And really half of half the people in the group thought, you know, family doesn't belong in business. Um, business is business. And, you know, if you allow family in, then what you're going to get is like lazy cousin Joe who... Uh, has a job just because he's your brother or your cousin. Um, but the other half of us that run family businesses are, uh, we're, had a completely different thought. And, you know, we're, our thinking is we have a family business and it is working. Um, but the conclusion we came to was that people that embrace the same values that we have, whether we work together or whether it's those values in our personal lives, that is all of our family. And uh, I'll, I'll tell you, it's a really great feeling. It's very heartwarming to be able to choose who's in your family, both in your work family and in your personal family. And that was a big learning for us. For you, Kathy, how, how did you manage making such difficult decisions in your career? What skill would you attribute to helping you uh, make those decisions? Um, well, <laughs> I think my, my unique skill is resilience. Um, I'm certainly not the smartest person in the world or best looking or more talented, but I'll tell you, nobody can beat me in resilience. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I've, I've talked about, we've had a, that we've had a lot of ups and downs in our company over the years, um, but I've never stopped pushing ahead to make things work. And sometimes mm -hmm. it's been super hard. Sometimes I've met with resistance or naysayers or people that thought that I couldn't do it, but my focus is always crystal clear. Um, keep the company going, make sure our people have jobs so they can take care of their families, um, because really that's what it's all about. I'm probably the only MBA you'll ever meet that doesn't really care about money. Um, but uh, our people is what really keeps us focused in, in growing our company and being able to develop them into the people that they can be. So resilience, too, I find is not just for business owners. Um, I mean, I was watching a a video once, well, a few months ago, um, Denzel Washington was talking about his experience in his industry, which is totally different than mine. And, you know, he's talking about how, how resilience plays a part in every single industry. He, uh, you know, his comment was, fall down seven times, get up eight. And nobody that is at the top of their game, I find, got there easily. It always takes hard work and focus and determination and 
definitely resilience. You can, you can never give up regardless of uh, what your industry is and what your job is. Absolutely. And I think resilience now more than ever with what's currently going on uh, around the world with obviously the pandemic, how, how have you been able to adjust and um, how are you dealing with uh, things the last 90 days? Um, well, again, no, absolutely no playbook. Um, <laughs> when, <laughs> and, you know, when, when all of this very first started, the beginning of, uh, of March or end of April, or, sorry, end of February, probably, one of our advisors had, had said to me, like, are you going to put together a plan for this virus? And I said, no, 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 I'm, I'm not going to play into um, this situation that's going on. <laughs> and then about a week later, I thought, wow, that was a really bad decision. Um, because you can see what's happening in the world. And when I was paying closer attention to it, um, it, it was a really big threat to businesses, to people, um, to, to everybody. So um, I, you know, I, I didn't really know what to do. So what I decided to do was sit down and talk with um, you know, every single person in our company. There's a hundred of them there. And I spent about a week or a week and a half um, just sitting down individually with everybody to find out, you know, what they're dealing with in their lives. Um, this was a time right when the daycares and schools were closing. So, you know, what kind of effect is that going to have on on you? Um, do you have elderly parents that you're work- living with? Do you have, you know, immune compromised people that you live with? And that was probably one of the most impactful things that I've ever done in my life is to sit down and I'm, I've worked with these people for years. I know them. It's not like I don't. But to hear the actual individual um, situations that people are dealing with um, was extremely impactful for me. And so with all of that in mind, we built our plan to make sure that we're supporting all of our people, not just at work. Um, I mean, that's important. We have safety protocols. Uh, We've definitely gone overboard on the safety, but I'd certainly rather do that than have one case of, of the virus come into our building. Um, and also supporting whatever their personal situation was. Um, we've um, we built a plan. Um, we've been very successful so far uh, at not having the virus come into our, our company or our business um, at all. And we're in constant communication with everybody just to make sure that they're still feeling safe and cared for um, and that they're not anxious. Um, we, we are very cognizant of the fact that nobody lives or works in a vacuum. So, you know, whatever happens at home comes to work and whatever comes to work or happens at work comes home. Um, so we need to make sure that people are, are feeling safe, not only physically, um, but also mentally. And a big one, too, is financially. If they have that financial safety, um, then I think we've, we've done our job. Stepping back into uh, your career, Kathy, what advice would you give somebody uh, wanting to pursue a career similar to yours or even in the uh, glass industry? Um, so I, th- I think for me, glass is almost irrelevant. Um, I mean, it's a great business and I love it. And I, I love our products. I love our industry. But the fact that, um, you know, I can, I can really think of no better role for myself than running my own business and driving my own bus. Um, it's, it isn't for everybody, for sure. And, and, you know, as we talked about before, I can only succeed in my role because of the amazing people that I work with. Uh, so I guess my advice to somebody um, would be to choose a path that you're intensely curious about or passionate about or that you love. And one of the quotes that I, I really like um, 
when uh, talking about an entrepreneur is uh, by Gary Vaynerchuk. Um, he says, you know, you're, when you run your own business, you're going to go through a time when you're not going to make any money. He says, it's not going to be a week or a month or a year. It's going to be years. So during that time, if you don't love what you do, it's going to be really hard to stick it out. And if you don't, don't enjoy what you're doing, you're going to be much more likely to quit when stuff's hard. Um, he, he didn't say stuff, but you get the picture. <laughs> <laughs> oh, trust me, I'm a big yeah. fan as well. <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, being being in business for yourself, um, you do have to be okay with uncertainty. You do have to be okay with the buck stopping with you and knowing that you are ultimately responsible for your company's success or failure. Um, if you can do that, then then I think you can be a very successful entrepreneur. Um, it, and it doesn't mean that you let others off the hook. It doesn't mean other people don't have responsibility for themselves. Um, but something that I've struggled with from the beginning is finding my own way to hold people accountable in a positive way. And that's a really big part of the job. Um, I'm not great at that yet. And it's certainly an area of improvement for me. So <laughs> one of the many things I need to work on. <laughs> uh, so what's uh, what's the best resource um, or resources that's uh, helped you along the way, Kathy? Um, I, w- I would say... Well, if we back up a little bit, um, you know, over the years, I've moved from a mindset of, uh, you know, I'll do it myself, thank you very much, <laughs> to understanding that uh, there is really a lot of power in embracing other people's ideas and experiences and knowledge. Um, every single person in the world knows something that I don't. And, you know, to, to think that I have all the answers is, um, is not going to get me any growth in my own business and my own world. Um, so, you know, in the past, I've relied on some people, like I used to belong to a tech group. If anybody's um, familiar with tech, um, it's Vistage in the U.S. Um, but my, I, <laughs> oddly enough, I just uh, left tech in January because I was going to be doing a whole bunch more traveling from that point on. So, you know, that backfired, but uh, (laughs) (laughs) my tech group was made up of other um, CEOs that were um, in different businesses. There's no competitors or customer supplier relationships or anything like that, but we all run businesses in our own industries and being able to rely on each other for advice and um, ideas and just, you know, different things that we've seen um, in our own businesses was, was so helpful. Um, my own advisors, I've, I've had lots of um, advice from when we were dealing with BDC, they were very helpful. Our other banks and, and other, um, you know, consultants that we work with have been so helpful. Um, also, listening to the people that I work with is a really huge source of inspiration. Um, not only just in the scenario I talked about um, with, with COVID, uh, but just on an ongoing basis, listening to the people that are doing the actual work and, and what they think and how they see things is, uh, is hugely inspirational. Um, I'm also in a few business and personal groups that really um, help and support each other. And I find that is so valuable. Um, I mean, I read Harvard Business Review and all that kind of stuff, and that's great. Um, but it's the actual people that I talk to that I find um, to be the most helpful and the most inspirational. Um, one person that I know, um, my, my very best friend, actually, Catherine Brownlee, um, she's the most connected person that I know. And every time I have an issue, I, I can talk to her and she knows at least 20 people that can help me. <laughs> um, she puts me in touch with so many different people. Um, but she also taught me about 
um, the power of having, she calls it a love army, uh, but that's people in your life that you trust and respect and you can reach out to um, for advice. And that's just been so helpful as well over the last few years. Uh, so really my best resources are lots and lots of other people with wide, wildly different backgrounds and different ideas. And I find, uh, you know, as an entrepreneur and as a business owner and as somebody who is always wanting to learn and grow, it's so important to bring people into your circle that think completely differently than you do. Um, I don't like to surround myself with people that just think the same as I do. I mean, I find, you know, when you do that, you're, you're basically gluing tinsel to one another's crowns and, you know, telling each other how great you are, but nobody's learning anything and, and that doesn't get us anywhere. Absolutely. Yeah. Diversity in thought is really important. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Mentorship comes up a lot uh, on the podcast and just general business uh, conversations, but uh, for you personally, what would be the best way to find an advisor or a mentor? Um, I think probably talking to as many people as you possibly can. Um, first of all, get get clear what you're looking for and talk to people and get connected and then talk to more people um, and just find that person um, or group or people or advisor that um, is going to challenge you and not let you get away with just doing things the way that you've always done them. Um, there's a couple of coaches that I've had um, um, talks with. I haven't actually um, hired a coach at this point, but that's something that is in my future in the next couple of months. Um, but both Stan Peek and Eric Kroll, um, I've had lots of conversations with, and they are so good at um, really challenging what you think and really asking those deep questions that make you think differently. Um, so, I mean, that would, that would be my advice is, is find somebody that, um, is not just going to tell you that you're right. That makes you think really deeply and differently about life and, and about business. You mentioned you do lots of reading and lots of, uh, connecting with uh, other business leaders. Um, but what have you read or listened to recently? That's uh, really, really inspired you. Um, so the, the one person that I, um, that I thought about is um, when I was in tech, we used to have guest speakers. And one fellow that was a guest speaker um, about the middle of last year, his name is Gare Maxwell. And he's a, a marketing guru. He actually is um, lives in New Brunswick, of all places. <laughs> but oh, <wow>. <laughs> <laughs> he's a brilliant man when it comes to marketing. And, you know, the best piece of advice, like marketing and sales is, is really my passion. Um, I mean, you know, the operations and finance and all the other pieces of a, a company are very necessary. But, um, you know, my love lies in the marketing area and the people area. Um, but what Gare taught us was that when you're marketing your company, it's not really the story of your product or your service that's important. It's the story of you, your company, your people, like what what is authentically you and how connectable is your story to other people? And making those connections is far, far more important than going out and talking about the features and benefits of, of your product or your service. Um, he talked about also your values as a company. Like, make sure you understand what those are and live those values every single day. So be who you are always. Always be authentic to who you are. Always communicate who you are. And then you, you just naturally connect with the people that you work well with. Um, you know, his, his advice to us is, you know, be different, own your difference, and then connect with your customers on that level so that 
in the end, they can't live without you. That was really good advice, I thought. That's awesome advice. Be authentic to yourself and um, others will follow. Yeah, exactly. And, and it'll be the people that connect with you and, and believe in the same values as you do, um, which is the people you really want to work with anyway. And I'm happy you're telling your authentic story on the podcast. <laughs> well, nothing is not authentic. <laughs> Um, yeah so I guess my next question would be about entrepreneurship what's one common myth uh, from your perspective that you want to debunk Um, I think that um, you know a common myth that I see is that women in in business are disadvantaged Mm. Um, you know I know a lot of very successful women but I also know a lot of women who feel um, and men that feel that women in the workplace are at a disadvantage. I do firmly believe, though, that you know, as women, um, it's in our, our it's our mindset and our own beliefs that get in the way of us being more successful when that's happening. And it, that's not to say that there aren't barriers in the work world, um, but really we need to take responsibility for our own success. And if we find barriers, figure out how do we get rid of those barriers? How do we sit up at the table and use our voices, use our talents, and helping to make the world a much better place? Because as I said before, we all have value and we all have a very unique perspective on the world. So understanding that um, is going to help us to, to make the work world better for women and for men. Um, part of removing those barriers, though, is that we need to be authentic to ourselves and we need to show our value. And when we do that, then people take notice and those barriers fall away. For you, Kathy, what are you curious about right now? Hmm. <clears throat> well, I think like a lot of people, I'm pretty curious about what the world's going to look like in a year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, my sense is um, that we'll see some permanent changes for sure in how we live and how we do business. Um, but some things I think we're going to have some, some short memories as well. Um, you know, just like in my work world, a lot of my friends and I have differing opinions on the issues that are surrounding this virus. And, and you know, that's a good thing. It, we're all in completely different situations. Um, so we do have different opinions, but we also respect each other's opinions. And, you know, that that's very important. Um, one thing that I hope doesn't go away that I've experienced during all of this is um, in, we've had a lot more time to to think and to reflect on our businesses and to figure out how are we going to come out of this um, like I explained it to my staff not linking like limping like a three-legged coyote but uh, like roaring out of this and being a much better stronger company um, you know not doing as much traveling and having more time to think and reflect and strategize about you know, how we're going to be a better company coming out of this than we were going in um, I hope that that doesn't ever go away. I hope I continue to be able to have the time to be able to do that. Speaking of what the future holds uh, for Calgary, from your perspective, how has Calgary changed from when you first started to, to now? Mm. Well, there's been a whole lot of change in 35 years, that's for sure. 